0: For those of you who have been following along from Sunday to Sunday, we are now at the conclusion of uh, the Herodians, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, everybody trying to trap Jesus. A few Sundays ago, Jesus entered into Jerusalem, what we call the Palm Sunday event, which we didn't read in church. We don't read on the Palm Sunday. But since then, we've had a series of confrontations that take place in Jerusalem. And all of the confrontations are by the authorities of that day, whether they're the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodians, whoever the authorities were, they were always confronting Jesus and asking him questions, trying to trip him up, trying to show to the people who were his followers that he really wasn't the one he claimed to be. And then we get to the final question. This is the final question that they're gonna ask Jesus. After this one, as Matthew tells us, uh, no other questions are gonna be asked of Jesus. And so the Sadducees come to him and the lawyer comes and representing the Sadducees, him the question, which is the greatest commandment? Which, which one of all the commandments is the greatest commandment? Now remember, there are 613 commandments in the, what we call Hebrew scripture, the Old Testament. 613 commandments, so how do you pick from 613? If you pick one out of the 613, the other 612, uh, uh, those who value the other 612 then are insulted. And so they're laying a trap for him And then Jesus responds with the commandment that we give today, with the ones that we've read today, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. This is the first great commandment, and the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Really, what he's doing is encapsulating the first Ten Commandments, what we call the Ten Commandments in the Decalogue. The first five commandments in the Decalogue are about our relationship with God. The second five commandments are our relationship with our neighbor, our relationship in community. And he encapsulates both of them by saying this: you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I forget who it was, maybe it was Mark Twain who said it's a part of the Bible that you understand that are the most difficult. Uh, This is so simple that it hardly warrants a sermon, which of course you may be asking yourself the question, then why are you preaching a sermon? (laughs) Well, because it's in the bulletin, and we Episcopalians like order, so we're preaching a sermon today, even though there may not need to have a sermon. For all of us who grew up with a 1928 prayer book, as I did, this passage was read from Mark's version of it. And every Sunday we heard this passage read over and over and over, so it became ingrained in our hearts. It was part of the, uh, the, the way that we approached church. But for all of us, I think it warrants some consideration about how do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And it's probably a good thing for all of us to identify that for ourselves. Leonard Bernstein's Mass, the work begins with a soft tenor, and that voice sings, Sing God a simple song, lauda laude, for God is the simplest of all. And it seems to me that this commandment is so simple, knowing that our highest calling is to love God, neighbor as ourselves. Let's begin by asking ourselves the question, how do we love God? When I was in 1973, after I had been approved to go uh, to Virginia Theological Seminary in the fall of 1974, the Canon to the Ordinary of the Diocese of Central Florida, which was my diocese at that time, uh, arranged for me to have uh, lunch with him once a month, a conversation gearing up to go into seminary. His name was Alan Purdom. And one conversation I remember very clearly with with Alan Purdom during those months when I would gather with him once a month to talk, he said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the fact, he said to me, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that I know that God loves me. I hear it over and over and over and over that God loves me, and I like that. And you like it, and I like it, and we understand it, and we value it. And it's one of the reasons why we gather in church, to be reminded of that, that God loves us. And we're reminded that God loves us because when God loves us, we know that God gives us worth. You don't have to prove your worth to the world. God's already given you worth. What we have to do is express our worth to the world. That's all we have to do. You don't have to earn worth before God. God has given it to you. And so we like that. God loves us. And then he said what really captured my, uh, my mind and one with which I have been wrestling all these years later. And that is, uh, do you have the ability to say, I love God? Think about that. You ever ask yourself the question, how is it that I love God? Now, the second half of the commandment is going to give us an expression of that, but first of all, we need to examine, how is it that you show love for God apart from loving yourself and your neighbor? I've wrestled with that over and over and over. I would suggest to you that one of the ways that we show love for God is worshiping God. I know you're saying, you're just saying that because you want more people in church every Sunday morning, and that's true. But the second half of it I want to tell you is this, that when we, when we worship, worship literally means to show worth to something, to give worth to something. And when we worship God, we are saying, "You, we give you worth, we give you the power, we give you the love, we give you the respect, everything that is needed to show you that I love you. And I would suggest to you as we gather, whatever else is going on in church, I know that we gather to be with friends. I know that we gather to ask God for for God's forgiveness and for strength to carry on in our lives. But perhaps we need to add that worshiping at some level or another is our ability, one of the few ways that I can discern in my life, that I can tell God, I love you. Now, do I do it with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind? Well, that's a hard thing to do. With all my mind, my thoughts are all over the place. With all my strength, I talk a better game than the one that I play. With all my heart, my passions are everywhere. Uh, my suggestion with this you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have a PhD in, in love to be able to love God. I think what God calls for us is to love God as best as we can and express it as fully as we can and that worship from my perspective, and I offer this for your consideration, may be one of the ways that we are able to do that. Do you love God? Can you say that? I love God? Seems hard to do, but that's the invitation for ourselves. Loving God is not impossible. Only God asks us to keep trying to learn how we can express it. Then we move to the second half of it. And it says to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's begin with yourself. Charity begins at home. Peace and clarity begin at home. I know that I'm skating on some thin ice when we start talking about loving yourself. Usually when you start loving yourself, you end up uh, in some form of narcissism. And you and I both know how that, uh, how that movie plays out. It's not a good movie. But I think we need to figure out how we show respect for ourselves, don't you think? How we love ourselves. Uh, for those of you who are my vintage, In the 1970s, Harper's magazine, and I'll never forget it, had a magazine. The cover of it was called The New Narcissism, and I'll never forget that magazine and reading it. And what it did was to encourage everybody in America to consider themselves the center of the world and that everything in the world rotated about them, and all you had to do was to pay attention to the self. To be sure that the self was satisfied to be sure that the self was the center of everything and everything our lives then was conditioned around that thought that new narcissism what the harper's magazine called the new narcissism how you became the most important thing how you became the center of the world i've always joked that all the commercials were geared towards that you know there was one commercial, I'll never forget, that was the RC Cola, which doesn't exist anymore, I don't think, but it went something like this, me and my RC, me and my RC, what's good for other folks ain't good enough for me. So presumably, that RC Cola, you were the only one that was worth of drinking that RC Cola, which is not a very good advertisement, and probably why they're out of business. Not enough consumers. And the second one was that the promise to turn your everyday shower with that water pick massager, remember that when they were selling those things? Into an, every, day, every day was supposed to be an ego-boosting, sensual surprise party when you took a shower. <laughs> and we bought into it, and we lived it, and it turned out being that we uh, it translated love of self into narcissism. Love of self into you being the center of the world. I would like to suggest to you that perhaps there's another way to look at that, and that may be that the best way that we can express love of ourselves is to show self-respect. Uh, Webb Web Hubble, who's a friend of mine, sent uh, send me this from Virginia Moore, who's a poet, and this is what Virginia Moore wrote. True self-respect, being very different from false pride, leads inevitably to respecting others. I can tell you this, if you don't have any self-respect, you'll hate yourself. And if we hate ourselves, we can never love others. For love is the gift of oneself. And how can you make a gift of yourself when you hate yourself? And the precondition, of course, is that we don't get so focused on ourselves that we become one of those small packages, a person who's all wrapped up in himself or herself. And boastfulness always reflecting insecurity. So it seems to me that we begin with a, an examination of the self. And how do you respect yourself? Self respect. Because only then are we able to share that love of God with others. And then we move to the second half of that commandment, to love neighbor as ourselves, to love neighbor as ourselves. The question is not, who is my neighbor? The question is, are you a good neighbor? (laughs) All of us have problems with neighbors. Over in our household, we rake up the leaves, and somebody else doesn't rake up the leaves. All the leaves end up in our front yard. Now, I have to tell you this, there's a difference between loving a neighbor and liking a neighbor. There are plenty of people I don't like. I don't like rude waitresses, and I don't like rude waiters. I don't like people when you make the phone call and they give you the answers to everything that are not very helpful. I don't like those kinds of folks. There's a play written by John Paul Sartre called No Exit, and one of the fabulous lines in it is, Hell is other people. And too much of our lives, we live it thinking that hell is other people. And this is a countercultural statement of the, of the gospel for us. Heaven is other people. Relationship with other people is what we're called to have. People are not hell. They are heaven. They're an expression of heaven. And we're invited to see how we can be the neighbor to those. Not who is my neighbor, but who can be a neighbor? Or can I be the neighbor I suggest to you that there are various expressions of love in our lives. I've told you this a hundred times, I'll say it to you the 101st time. Love for my wife is different from the expression of love that I have in the public spheres of my life. My wife and I have a very intimate relationship. We can say things to each other that we do not say to anybody else. It is a very private, it's a very intense, it is a, it's a very satisfying relationship, an expression of love that is very, very intimate. We all know about it. Those of us who are blessed with children know that we have a special relationship with our children, and we can say almost anything to our children, not everything, too much information. But we have that special relationship and we trust our family, our children, in that way, if you have a good relationship with your children. But I want to suggest to you that the highest expression of love in the public spheres of our life is respect. How we show respect for another person is the highest expression of how we learn to love our neighbor. And I have to ask myself the question constantly is, how do I show respect to the people with whom I work? How do I show respect with the people with whom I worship? How do I show respect to the people whom I encounter out on the street? How do I show respect to the friends that gather when we gather together? How do I show respect? And if I'm able to do that, I begin to answer the question, are you a neighbor? Am I a neighbor? Am I respecting the individual? It's a respectful relationship. This past Thursday, my wife and I had dinner with two very close friends who are our tennis buddies and the conversation eventually drifted over to the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. And the first thing, the women, the two women at the dining room table said, well, we've all experienced that, we know all about that, we've had to live that with all of our lives, and it went on and on. The two guys, my friend Jim and I, were sitting there asking ourselves the question, did I participate in that? Did I do that? Did I disrespect people along the way? Did I cross some boundaries? Am I as guilty as all those guys that are in the newspapers these days? Back in the 1990s, you know, we had the Million Man March here in Washington, D.C. You remember that? A million men came and gathered here. A few months ago, we had the Women's March here in Washington, D.C. A few million people gathered here in Washington, D.C. Well, you know, perhaps what we need to start thinking is about having a a Day of Atonement march, March for all men in the United States. Because at some level or another, all of us have participated in it. All of us, at some level or another, know that we have some power over other people just by the nature of our sexuality. And I think all of us, regardless of our age, have to acknowledge that and that if we want to move forward in our lives, we need to learn how to respect other people, how not to cross those boundaries when no one has invited us to cross those boundaries. To love God, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. That's the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's so simple, but so true. And the rest, I think, is commentary.